The following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota as part of the weekly Dharma series. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. Welcome everyone. So I'm going to use this transition time, the beginning of fall and it always seems to be crowded the first couple of weeks in September. Maybe we all feel like we need to go back to school. But uh, it is. It's a kind of a natural time for us to begin again. And I thought I'd take a few weeks talking about meditation technique and how our practice is really a combination of right attitude, right understanding, and technique, and how the two work together. And then, and then to bring what we learned from our formal sitting practice right into life, and specifically talking about concentration or one-pointedness or unification of mind first in the first few weeks in terms of our meditation practice, and then for several weeks after that, later in September and early October, in our daily life. Like, what is concentration, one-pointedness, non-distraction? look like when we're emptying the garbage or talking to somebody or doing our work at work. And in terms of our sitting meditation practice, although we often talk, and I think it's appropriate to refer to this sitting practice as really the practice of being free, the practice of waking up and being free with the conditions in the present moment. So we're waking up, being non-distracted with the body, the mind, the way it is right now. And then through a process of discernment, wisdom, learning not to be caught by whatever's going on in the present moment. Not reactive or attached or identified with things as they are. But I'm not really going to talk about that, at least not for the few first couple weeks. I want to really dig in because we tend to put off the simple practice of calming the mind or learning how to generate ease in a very disciplined, systematic way. And the thing about ease or peace or calm is that it's not really possible to see things clearly if the mind isn't at ease, isn't peaceful. Whatever agitation there is in our minds, it distorts what we see. So the first and foremost intention in our mind, not just when we're sitting, but through our life, should be to be at ease, to be relaxed. Because everything, I mean, this is common sense, everything goes a lot better if we're relaxed. Even if something very intense is going on, you know, you'd want the open heart surgeon, you'd want her to be relaxed, even though it's pretty intense probably, I don't know, but I'm guessing it's pretty intense to be sitting there operating on somebody else's heart. Still, you'd want them to be pretty relaxed. 
And if a teenager was telling their father that they ruined the car, the teenager would want the father to be relaxed. <laughs> you know? So, this is what we're learning. We're learning, one, to respect, you know, concentration, this calm, collected, unified mind, like a mind that's really here with whatever is predominant with that, with, with whatever is going on. That collection or unification of mind, settled mind, is really sort of the fundamental skillful act that we can uh, cultivate, or skillful way of being that we can cultivate. So I want to talk about that. And as I mentioned at the beginning, it's really a combination, a balancing of right attitude and right technique. If we have a, the good technique, but if we have the wrong attitude, it won't work. Or if we have the right attitude, but not a useful technique, we won't get the calm or the peace or the ease. So we bring them both together. But first, let's just reflect on, well, what's the technique? So the basic technique is to pay attention to the breath, for example. It's what we often use here at Common Ground. But it's really any ordinary experience will do. The breath just happens to be very, has some special qualities that make it an especially good object for samadhi, for this concentration practice that I'm talking about tonight. The unification of mind from scatteredness, distraction, to one-pointedness or, or unification of the mind's energy. It's all coming together here in the present moment with this experience of the breath coming in, the breath going out. And actually, even more true to the point, we're learning to collect the attention, the energy of the mind, not so much with the breath, but with the breath and then with the ease that arises when the mind's unified. So the ease itself, the calm itself, becomes part of the object we're paying attention to. It's in a way, at some point in the practice, it's indistinguishable from the movement of the breath itself. It's like a movement of ease, a movement of of uh, peace, of calm, when the mind is collected, not distracted, not scattered. So the basic technique, like I said in the instructions, it's very simple, of course. It's not easy because our habits are to be distracted and to think, and then one thought leads to another, or maybe one thought leads to three thoughts, and <laughs> three thoughts lead to nine thoughts, and before we know it, we're not only lost, but we're lost in several universes at the same time. You know how that is. So it's simple, but it's not easy. And it's simple because all we're doing is training the mind, like I said, to be open, to be receptive to the simple truth of body sensation. And specifically in this, with this technique, the feeling, the, the uh, sensations of the breath in the body. And it doesn't really matter where you feel the breath moving in the body, but it's the actual physiological dynamic of the breath that we're paying attention to. The classic place is to feel the touching sensations as the air goes in and out of the nostrils. 
that a lot of people find it really uh, easier just to feel the abdominal wall moving, right? So you're actually feeling the expansion and contraction of the abdomen, some people in the chest, or feeling the touching sensations here, or wherever the movement of the breath is clear. Now, in the beginning, it's, it's often one of those three places, either the nostrils, the movement in the abdomen, or perhaps the movement in the chest. But as the attention becomes more subtle, or the whole practice becomes more subtle, we really want to let go of this idea that that's what the breath is. Because the breath isn't just the movement of the belly, or the movement of the rib cage, or the touching sensations at the nostrils. It's more like a movement of energy. And the physiological movement of the breath is part of that movement of energy. And you can start noticing that it's like the whole body's breathing. It doesn't, the idea of like a particular location is almost a too gross of a concept for what we actually experience when the mind calms down. And in fact, if part of your body feels kind of tight or held, you can just feel the breath in that part. You can just invite the experience of the breath there. And again, it's not even like you have to do anything, but it's, it's basically feeling the tension in your shoulders and feeling the movement of the breath in and out. So but what we're doing is, as the breath becomes synonymous with a sense of calm and ease and peace, then we're noticing that movement of the breath and that movement of calm and ease all through the body and mind. So the whole body and mind is this movement of calm and ease. This is the direction we're going with this practice. So keep this in mind. This is uh, often, because we talk about it a lot at Common Ground, and you probably, if you read a lot of, in Buddhist text, you hear that this idea that we use the mindfulness to open to what's difficult in life. And it's really useful. It's a very useful thing. But my earlier point is very important to recall, which is it's not so easy to open to what's difficult in life unless the mind is calm and stable and peaceful. We tend to get reactive when the mind isn't calm and peaceful and stable. And so then when we open to emotional pain or physical pain, we tend to struggle with it, which is what we are already doing. I wonder who they're talking to. <laughs> who in the room needs to get over something? <laughs> the universe acts in strange and mysterious ways. <laughs> so, back to the breath. <laughs> So we, we, we really want to be willing. You know, a lot of times 
we're also afraid, like one thing I said, we, we want to turn right away to what's difficult, but we don't really have the instrument to open to what's difficult. So it's really okay to be interested in the cultivation, the generation of ease and calm. To see, like, can I become skillful at calming the mind? Can I be skillful at generating states of ease? Like, not to be afraid of taking this on. I mean, we take on all kinds of agendas. This probably is going to be more wholesome than a lot of those other agendas that we have, a lot of those tasks that we've given ourselves. So we take on the task, and you might just say, okay, for the next eight weeks, I'm going to really take on the task of calm and ease, of learning how, in a very pragmatic, trial-and-error kind of way, how to generate states of calm and ease. Now, these states will not be permanent. So don't, you know, we're not thinking, okay, ease, and then there, I'm, I'm saved. But ease that lasts, that arises and lasts long enough so that there's a real rest, a real healing for our agitated, worried, fearful, hopeful, mind. So we get a break and we have a kind of uh, healing vacation from our worries or thinking basically, our agitated minds. And then it changes our perspective on the world. So the basic technique like I was talking about is to, let's just use the breath for this example or this uh, description. So we uh, bring the awareness to the breath. We're noticing the breath as it actually is. But even though we have to have this real intention to know the breath, the knowing is real receptive. We don't need to control the breath. It's a natural process. As long as we're alive, breathing will happen. So we don't need to take control of the breath. We just need to know it. And that's that part is actually effortless because the mirror functions much like a mirror in that it just reflects what's ever going on and the breath is one of those things going on. So as long as we're not distracted by other things that are going on, the knowing of the breath will just happen. That's that receptive capacity of the mind that I mentioned. So we just have to, in a sense, access that knowing, that receptive part of the mind that can know the body sitting and then right there in the experience of the body sitting is the breath happening. And again, you can just use the belly, you can use the nostrils or the movement in the chest as a place to come back to the breath. And then just see how it unfolds from there. Don't feel like you have to stick there. You don't have to, not that you go looking for it elsewhere but it might just morph into a slightly or very different experience as you're watching it in one of those three places. Connecting to the breath as it is in the body. And right there, because our intention is to cultivate ease, then we have to, in a way, like tending a garden, that open, receptive quality of mind that knows is already easeful. But we have to tend it because as we're opening to the breath, 
that old habit of wanting to control it, wanting to do it right, rushing. You know, we have a lot of these habits or spacing out. They're, they all arise, so we need to tend that garden. So we're uh, tending the garden between falling into states of control or forcing the awareness, forcing the attention to the breath, and moving in the direction of being too lackadaisical, not caring enough about it, not thinking we're doing anything, the breath is already happening, why do I have to do anything? And we just kind of space out or go into some kind of la-la land where we're sort of floating. But we're not really uh, making this uh, intention or making this effort to gather like a really skillful shepherd. We're gathering the flocks of the mind, all the different impulses, inclinations to think and worry and compare and judge. We're gently, skillfully collecting them. Please, right here, just this. Breath is happening, breath coming in, breath going out. So, first we connect with the body, rediscover the actual experience of the breath, and then there's the shepherding, keeping the breath, keeping the attention rather, with the breath. Not too forceful, not falling into some strong agenda or expectation, but not forgetting about the breath, not spacing out, not getting sleepy or dull, staying interested in the breath. Sort of so much uh, skill and art, uh, this art of keeping the attention with the movement of the breath in and out. And one of the techniques you can add here at this point, once you've connected with the breath, once you're skillfully remembering to be attentive to the breath moment by moment, not too forceful, not too uh, lackadaisical. One thing you can add here is some people use a meditation word to help the mind, the attention, stay with the movement of the breath, like a mantra. And the meditation word can actually be a reminder of some of the qualities that are helpful in paying attention to the breath. Like a classic one is calm, ease, right? As you're breathing in, you just say this word silently in your mind, calm. So then all you're doing is reminding yourself to know the breath calmly. And then as you're exhaling, to know the exhalation with a sense of ease. Calm, ease. Calm, ease. But it's important when you use a meditation word, or in this case two words, you're not focusing on the word primarily. You're using the word or words to remind you to see the actual movement of the breath in the body or to feel the actual movement of the breath in the body or the touching here at the nostrils. Right? So the attention is with the breath. Of course, we're, we're hearing the word in the mind, but that sort of hearing of the word is reminding us to pay attention to the breath. Another really common technique in Thailand is to use the word Budo. It just means awake. As you can hear, it sounds like Buddha, which comes from Bodhi, which is awake, 
Budo is just another variation of the same word. Budo, so bud, as you inhale, do, bud, do, bud, do. So, some people like words that are in English. So those of you who like words that are in English, you can use budo. A lot of people use that word in Thailand as a mantra to help the mind collect around the experience of the breath. Budo, like that. So you can use a phrase, two words, or one word to be with breath. It could be just peace. So you just breathe in silently. With the exhalation, you say the word peace in your mind. So don't be afraid to experiment, but don't experiment forever. See what's useful, and then just stick with it for a couple months. If you're always like, okay, I tried that, but that didn't work, so let me try something else. Well, that didn't work. I mean, it's like someone digging a well. You know, you dig a few feet, and then you realize, oh, this ground is hard. You go somewhere else, you dig, this ground's hard too. Well, ground is hard. <laughs> and changing the habit of the mind is hard work. This is hard work. It's not going to come easy until we do it consistently for a long time, and then it starts coming easier and easier. Then it's not like we have to do much before we start feeling ease. People who've been practicing for a while, at least at times, it can change, you know, when difficult things arise in people's lives. But people generally who have been practicing for a long time have been consistent with their technique can find states of ease relatively easily. They don't have to dig as hard. They still are digging, but the digging, uh, the payback is relatively soon. Sometimes I'll just come into the sitting posture and I already start to feel the background of ease in the mind and body just because of the momentum of practice. Or if you're on retreat sometimes, as soon as you sit down, you just start feeling the, the ease, the background of ease in the body. And then as you pay attention to the breath, it's really not just the breath, it's the breath ease or the ease breath that you're paying attention to. And this is, you know, at this point when the ease is relatively strong, when the mind is relatively free of agitation, that we take up other meditation themes. Because remember, as healing as the ease is, as nice as it is to be really calm and easeful in life, in our meditation practice, it's not an end in itself. We're developing the ease to support insight. Like the more easeful the mind is, the more undisturbed seeing is. So we see things more as they actually are. We see the mind as it actually is when we're at ease. There's no less distortion in the system. So we have what we call in the system of practice insight. Vipassana, or insight, is the fruit of, uh, of seeing things clearly. If you see clearly, you have insight. Insight just means that your view is being transformed. So the views or beliefs we have about the world are based on mostly misperceptions, things that we've been taught by our culture and family, that are very simplistic truths, if, if not harmful, at least way too simplistic to be very useful. 
And then as we, and whether you're doing formal mindfulness practice or not, as human beings just start relaxing and paying more close attention in life, they start having insights and realizing that what their mind has been conditioned to believe isn't the way it is. And their choices, their actions in life begin to be different, become different because of the transformation of our views. Let me just say one more thing. I, I, I mentioned it briefly, but I want to come back to it before I start talking about right attitude. So I said that uh, practice, this development of samadhi or calm or ease, it's really a matter of having a good technique and a right attitude. And so just one more thing about the technique. So first of all, we usually center our technique on some ordinary experience. And so tonight I'm just talking about mindfulness of the breath. So breath is a physiological process. And more specifically, what I mean by a physiological process, there's actually a movement. And we're really paying attention to the movement, whether it's the movement of the abdominal wall, initially at least, the movement of the rib cage, or the movement of air, so that touching sensation as the air is going in and out of the nostrils. And then as the attention collects and sustains through that open knowing, and then we make the subtle, persistent effort not to forget the open, receptive knowing of the sensations of the breath. The breath is like this, in, out, in, out. So there's some continuity of attention. And then... As the mind drops its worries, its judgments, its comparing, its wondering about the future and worrying about what was done in the past, and becomes more continuous with the ordinary experience of the breath, that dropping of all of those distractions is the same as the generation of ease. So, in a way, saying we generate ease isn't quite right. It's really the abandoning of agitation is the same as the generation of ease. The ease is simply the reflection of non-agitation by not worrying. Cause we're, and we're not worrying because we're paying attention to the breath. We're not judging somebody because we're paying attention to the breath. We're not worried if the pain in the knee is going to lead to permanent paralysis because we're paying attention to the breath, or whether the person next to us is a better meditator than we are, because we're paying attention to the breath. So all of those things that tend to agitate the mind, disturb the mind, they're just not there. And what is there then is bliss, or ease, or calm. It's the settling down of the mind. And um, then once we're aware, even if it's somewhat faint, once you're aware of some degree of ease or calm or bliss or just a kind of energetic quality that's beyond the just physiological, you know, the air touching the nostrils, the belly moving, rising and falling, then continue to watch the breath, the physiological process, but notice 
the sense of ease right with the movement of the breath. So then it's, it's like the object of attention has, been, has evolved slightly. So it's not just I'm watching the belly expand, watching the belly contract, feeling the air touching as it goes in, feeling the air touching as it goes out. But it's like, it's like feeling calm, feeling calm, or feeling ease, feeling ease. And it's almost like nostrils, belly, chest, those concepts kind of fall away, and we're just feeling movement. And if that movement is pleasant, it's easeful, it's calming. And so we're just no- noticing an in and an out, or this movement and that movement. And so we want to bring the quality of mind that is arising as the mind settles down right with the experience of movement in the body. We're bringing them together. And that's what we're paying attention to. And then as that deepens, as it kind of feels like more pronounced, just the feeling of ease with that movement, then you can even, like I mentioned earlier, you can intentionally invite the whole body to participate in movement and ease. So like if you're feeling some nice kind of calm and ease, and but it's kind of localized, then you can just sort of see if it's available somewhere else. You're feeling that kind of nice sense of ease and calm here in your belly as it rises and falls. And just see if you can sort of include it. So now it's also your heart. The whole front of the chest rises and falls. So it's not the actual sensations. It's more a general sense of movement of energy rising, expanding, falling, contracting. The energy of bliss, rising, falling. Then you can say, well, how about the back? Rising, falling. How about the legs and hips, rising? The whole body, full, whole, with this nice feeling of calm, ease, subtle vibration, just this wholesome pleasantness that's so healing because when we feel calm like this, it's sort of like an, an inner jacuzzi. When we feel calm like this, like uh, it, it helps us to drop all of uh, the tendency to grip both the body, but especially the mind. Okay, so it's uh, we start with something very ordinary, like feeling the belly rise and fall, expand and contract. Then, as we start to feel some wholesome pleasantness what I'm calling ease, then pay attention to both the movement of the abdominal wall in this case and the experience of ease or calm. And then you can, after that gets relatively easy, then you can just invite, feel the movement of energy, the energy of the breath, the energy of ease, feel it throughout the body and mind. So eventually, there's no place you're not feeling calm and ease in the body and mind. This is the development, and it goes beyond this, but this is the development of samadhi, or calm, or ease, or concentration, or unification of mind. These are all just different ways of talking about the same thing. And it's really uh, 
part of the first task of somebody interested in this path of awakening. So generally what the Buddha would teach people is learn how to become more generous in your lives in all kinds of small and big ways. To just live a giving life. To give, give yourself to the conversation you're having. To give yourself to the situation you're in. To, to learn to be content with what you have. And, you know, besides all the more obvious ways of being generous. And develop an attitude of non-harming. We call this sila. And then, once people sort of were relatively stable in their sort of external life, then he would start teaching what I've been talking about tonight, samadhi. And it's these things, the dana and sila, ethical life, and samadhi that really support deepening insight, the development of understanding or wisdom. So that leads me now to right attitude. And as you can, you know, as you've heard, and I'll continue talking about this next week, and I'll save some time for questions. It'll be really useful to have people's questions about their own practice tonight and in the next few weeks. But in terms of right attitude, the most important thing, of course, is our attitude. The attitude we bring to the technique is, I'm interested in the experience of the ease. Right? Now, if you have some other idea, like I want to be enlightened, or whatever else you might have in your mind, it's like it's really important to be clear about what our in intention is. And right now, when we sit down and calm, to calm the mind, we should have that attitude. I'm interested in ease. That really supports the calming down. And then... Because just, just the concept, I'm interested in ease, and just, just reflecting on the word ease, or you could substitute calm there, or any number of words, it already, it's like it acts as a barometer. So for really striving hard to get to ease, it sort of stands out a little bit like, wait a minute, this way of practicing doesn't fit what the intention is. So it's good to have the attitude, I'm interested in ease. And when, we're, when we can't even get there, like get back to ease, it's good to have some things you can do. So you're not even being mindful of the breath now. You sit down and you're just like, you can't even remember what your meditation practice is about. So in a sense, you need a seed of ease to remember what ease is even. So there's some tricks, like doing some loving-kindness practice. So instead of cultivating ease with the breath, because our mind, our thinking mind is so active, we use our thinking mind. We think about all the people who love us, for example, or all the people we care about, and we send out good wishes to them, goodwill to them. Or, even simpler than that, as, which sometimes that's not even possible, right? We're just so agitated, so upset, we can't, you know, the, it's, can't even remember to do it, and even if we could remember to do it, it, would, it wouldn't work, because we're so angry or upset or confused. So, we just remember, I want to be happy. 
right? And not a little bit beyond that, because if we just think, I want to be happy, we might start thinking about, if I only had more money, if I only had a different job, if I only had a different body. So it has to be a little bit more subtle than if uh, I, I wish to be happy. It's, I wish to be happy regardless of the conditions. I'm interested in an inner happiness that's independent of the particular coming and goings of my life, the circumstances of my life. So that's a very beautiful thought. You know, of all the thoughts a human being can have, it sounds a little self-centered, but I'll tell you why it's not in a minute. And this is a way to reestablish right attitude in our meditation practice before we can even do the calming down, the generation of ease by collecting the attention. First, we just collect the attention around this simple thought, I wish to be happy, independent of the conditions. That does, a happiness that doesn't depend on anything outside of myself. And the thing is, if we wish for this happy happiness that doesn't depend on anything outside of myself, then this happiness doesn't compete with anybody else's happiness. So now, because we're not competing with anybody else, we can also wish for, they, for them to be happy, independent of anything outside. Right? And see, in this way, because right now, we've been conditioned to feel in competition. So if somebody's really happy, even though it's silly to say this, we feel it hurts us, doesn't it? I mean, sometimes we really are happy that someone's happy. But a lot of times when somebody's really happy, we feel a little bit competitive. Or they got this new job, or they got this new house, or they got this new partner, or everybody laughed at their joke. <laughs> and it's like we feel diminished. So we, we come back to this wish, may I be happy no matter the conditions. Or may I have this an inner happiness that isn't dependent on anything outside of this moment. And then we realize, I can wish that for other people without threatening my own happiness. So then we have that, we just expand that, good, that thought of goodwill. So that's a way to correct we can correct right attitude. And that will bring ease. When we start reflecting that way, we start feeling more at ease. And that whatever ease we feel when we're reflecting on goodwill, then we just go right to our mindfulness of breathing. We bring that sense of ease right to the body, right to the breath in the body. Breathing in ease, exhaling ease. Breathing in ease, exhaling ease, like that. And there are other attitudes that we can generate, like gratitude, forgiveness. You know, you could probably think of many. And another one that I just want to mention before I end is reflecting. So now, again, we're thinking. We're, this is before we're even attempting to be mindful of the breath. And we can just take some time, instead of worrying and comparing and planning and remembering the past, we can think about our respect for ease, our respect for concentration. So this would be like we're thinking about how easy it is to proliferate. 
for one thought to lead to another, how endless this is, and how nice it is when the mind quiets down, how much respect I have for stillness, for quietness, for ease. Right? So we can think about this. And just thinking about this, the body and the mind mirror each other. Just thinking about this, it's like we get a contact high just from thinking about ease. So we think about ease, our respect for ease, our mistrust of thinking, worrying, planning, judging, comparing. And we just start calming down. We feel at ease thinking about ease. And then we go make that transition then to the mindfulness of breathing. Okay? Now I'll come back to these same instructions. I'm going to try to keep it really simple for the next several weeks. That as you practice, you've got some things you can think about if you feel really agitated. But if you don't feel so agitated, go right to that, the instructions, which is to just be open to the body sitting, the actual sensations, be receptive. And right there in the experience of the body, start noticing, wherever it's clear for you, the movement of the physiological breathing process. Feel the breath coming in. Note the in, the out, or if you like, calm, ease, or do, or breathing in, peace, or just in silence. So use the meditation word or words if it's useful, but if you don't need them, don't use them. Just feel the breath. And when you start noticing any amount of ease or calm, then notice the ease and calm with each in and each out breath. Just incorporate that as part of the meditation object. So you're not just feeling the feeling of expansion or the touching sensations, but you're feeling ease as the breath comes in the nostrils. Feeling ease as the breath goes out of the nostrils. In and out like that. And then when that's pretty strong, you have some momentum, then you can invite that sense of ease throughout the body and mind. Just inviting the feeling. It may or may not happen. It may stay hard. Body, mind may stay tense. But you're just encouraging the feeling of movement, the movement of breath and ease throughout the whole body and mind. Inviting a deeper sense of relaxation, ease, and calm developing this skill like our best friend this is our best friend better than a great partner parents children the best friend we have is the skill to calm down to be at ease because then we actually become a decent partner you know when we're not calm and at ease at least in times we're not you know it's not so easy to really show up and be a good parent or be a good partner or be a good anything so I'll leave it here. We have about 11 minutes or so. If people have some thoughts you'd like to share from your own practice, or even better, if you have any questions about your sitting practice and how it relates to these instructions, what comes to mind? Mm -hmm. Davey. Yeah, that's a Sanskrit mantra, so hum. So that's a sound you can use, or a mantra you can use with the breath. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Davy. Anything else come to mind? 
question about the Rapunzel. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't sure if, if it was Ty or Polly. I'm just curious about them. I, I think it's uh, I think it well, it's, the the whole Thai language is derived from Pali or yeah from Pali or a lot of the languages so they're they're related I think it's just a slight derivation of the word Bud, uh, Bodhi or Buddha yeah mm-hmm. yeah Nick so it's just something that arises in your practice? Yeah. There are a number of, uh, you know, through the course of months, years of practice, there will be a number of different kinds of energetic and some very disturbing, it's probably best to call them body experiences, but they kind of exist in a subtle level, that sort of body-mind. And... Uh, Sometimes intense heat, sometimes intense coolness, sometimes intense restlessness in the subtle energy body, sometimes kind of a deadened numbness, uh, sometimes strong forceful movements. Uh, but not always, of course. But the, the practice is always the same to either continue to cultivate a sense of ease as much as you can return to the breath and return to any experience of ease with the breath, then to do that. But at other times, where people have been practicing for a while, you just make the, uh, the choice to let that subtle experience become the object of meditation. And so you're dropping the breath or you're you're intentionally feeling the breath in that place. So you're doing one of those two things. Either you're just turning your attention to that subtle feeling of burning in this part of the body, or you're feeling the breath in the abdomen right where you're feeling the burning. You're feeling the expansion and contraction, and right with the expansion you're feeling burning, right with the contraction you're feeling burning, or whatever it is that you're feeling, whatever that sensation is that you're feeling. And you're just with the intention to both maintain a sense of calm, non-agitated, non-judging awareness, but slightly amping up the interest, uh, like a, a real natural curiosity. What is this? How is this? Does it have a center? Is it increasing or decreasing? Is it, does it have a location or is it pervasive? Does it have a center? Or is it dispersed? So you're kind of uh, interested in what that is, not a, in a conceptual sense, but just as a natural, energetic uh, phenomenon. Yeah. Yep. And then it may go away, and then you just come back to the breath, or it may kind of morph into something different. Jerry. Well, I think it can be very seductive, so it's something to pay attention to, and it's why a lot of people sit with their eyes slightly open without looking at anything, just a soft gaze toward the floor in front of them. 
um, maybe half closed. Because when they're closed, especially people who tend to be more visually oriented, the visual experience is even more seductive than the verbal, the verbiage can be. And if, that, if you're finding that way, that the image in the mind, the image that the mind projects, it's just another expression of the thinking mind. In a way, the thinking mind has two, two tools at its disposal, you know, words and images. And they're, I'm not sure exactly what the difference is, and they're very, I think, related. But, uh, but generally speaking, it's not easy to be mindful of either the, ver- uh, the verbiage or the um, images, unless the mind is really still. Like the degree of ease has really uh, has, has developed to the degree that there's a pervasive stillness in the mind. So then when the image or the thought arises, there's such a strong degree of stillness that you really see the thought or the image as just a kind of a, uh, a phenomena that comes and goes. You know, and there's not much stickiness to it. Now, we have to be honest, that doesn't seem to happen very often. And especially people like us who are living a daily life, the, the amount of concentration is, unless, some people really do have a strong talent for concentration, and they, they might be able to do this. But for us, being lay people, being in a busy, active world, we have to respect the need for deeper states of concentration. So when the thoughts are overwhelming, then you might flash mindfulness on them, like just to notice like this waterfall of thoughts, of verbiage, of images. Ah, thinking is like this. It's just kind of like flashing awareness, and then come back. Or... If the thoughts tend to be repeating, then instead of looking at the thoughts, look at the feeling tone of the thoughts. Like, what does it feel like to be having this content or these images in the mind? Is, it, is there fear associated with it or joy, excitement associated with these thoughts? So we're kind of noticing the effect on the heart with this content that's arising in the mind. And then you can pay attention to that. That's a little less seductive. And that's a little bit like what I was just saying for Nick, where you would make a conscious choice. Like if a painful memory keeps coming up, images and thoughts about a painful memory keep coming up, then you go right to the pain of that memory. You don't need the content of that, of that memory you just because you, you have the pain. And then you would pay attention to it. And you can use your breath. Like I said with Nick, you can just continue feeling the movement of breath that but feel the breath, if you can, right where you're feeling the pain of that memory. And you're just inviting the experience of stability or ease and interest right there in that experience. A few more minutes, maybe time for one more comment. Yes, hi, nice to see you again. Yeah, maybe a little lo- louder, Sherry. Okay. I, you know, you were saying, like, uh, ease, calm, and attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you very much. Now, this is uh, past my own life. I have good experience. You have good what? 
good experience in uh-huh. the um, But a year ago, or so six months ago, it was really tragic in my life. Mm. Um, I'm forgive or something, you know, putting stress, you know, all this angry, all the kind of stuff, you know, body, emotional. There was no way I can take it, I can handle anything. Yeah. But, um, I also, I was told about that I do go someplace, you know, between the Buddha's temples, learning from there too. And then I called up one of the teachers, which was like an interaction, you know, the person. He heard everything was going on in my life. And first thing she said to me, Sherry, listen to me. If you want to, just, you want to do something, just let go. Just like I said. Let go from and forgive the person love. Follow Buddha's step and teach. Yeah. Try that. So she kept saying that she was going to help me So first time I said, I can't do that. Because I'm so angry in my life. Everything's such a hard I can't. She said, yes, you can. It's not easy, but you can try, try, try. So eventually you're going to get back. And be peaceful in mind all the time. So it takes about, about two months to try and pray and try. Okay. It was so beautiful. I mean, everything's just peaceful. And the first thing she said is like, don't keep your private personal. Just let go of everything, just give up, just give the person, give love, forget everything. It should come around back to you. Everything's love, everything. Okay. So, I did that. This is exactly, you know, it's not tonight. Thank you so much. And then in, uh, I have a good news. Um, there was happens, you know, my relationship, you know, and it's come back. <laughs> <laughs> it's back to me. Yeah. So like I said, I wasn't really angry first time I did that, and I was really angry. And this is like, okay, this is you, this is me. I can show you who I am. I can show how much I can do. Of love, what I have to do, open up. Okay. He was appreciated. And I'm sorry I said that, but this is my personal I'm going to share with you guys. Yeah. So it just, it wasn't that easy. You should keep trying to say for me, you know, so wonderful everything Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Sherry. And it, it's a nice place to end because remember what I said that uh, it's hard to change our perspective on a situation like a tragedy or a deep personal tragedy, it's hard to change our perspective when we're really caught in it, when we're caught in the anger and the resentment. But if we can touch some real ease, then, then we look at the situation with different eyes. It's a, and we might find a creative response, or we might not. But in either case, the ease is here and now. And so even if like something is really over, it's like the, the healing has already happened in our heart. But if there's something that can be done, we have that clear, non-attached mind. If there's something to be done, we'll see it much more likely than if we're caught up in the anxiety or the resentment or the anger. So the first thing, you know, when it, I mean, this would be like something we should teach in kindergarten. When you're upset, 
Before you do anything, calm down. And this is what we should teach world leaders. When you're upset, before you do anything, calm down. Feel some real ease in your heart. Then reflect on the situation and see what can be done. And if there's something that can be done, do it. And if there's nothing that can be done, well, then there's nothing that can be done. We'd be much better off. <laughs> Thanks again, Sherry. And let's just take a few seconds and let go of the words. Take a breath or two together. And one of the ways to feel some ease is just to remember our deep aspiration for our lives. Why not have a beautiful aspiration for our lives? An aspiration to live in a way that generates deep ease, joy, and happiness. To live in a way that develops deep wisdom and compassion so that our lives become the cause for peace in the world and happiness and freedom from suffering for all beings without exception. Just reflecting on this as our aspiration really warms the heart. We feel good. So may this be so. Thanks everyone for coming. I just have a couple of announcements. We have our Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.